0: You're listening to episode 205 of the Room to Grow podcast. stories that will change the way you look at the world and yourself so that we can learn from each other and grow with lots of self-love and compassion every step of the way. There's always more room to grow. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey, welcome back to the room to grow podcast. And today's episode is extra, extra special. You guys, I'm so excited about this. So way back when, two years ago, I brought on Dr. Jade Tita to talk to us all about metabolism and some of the the other wide range of things that he is known for in the space of fitness, nutrition, and uh, women's hormonal health. And it was an incredible conversation and it was a really full circle moment for me. So it's back in episode 17, linked it in the show notes, you can go check it out. Um, It remains my second most downloaded episode ever, 200 episodes later still, (laughs) which is just incredible. And the reason why it was such a full circle moment for me was because back in 2012, I started teaching bootcamp classes. I was working my corporate job, but I started teaching fitness on the side and the small company that I was working for, uh, for the bootcamp classes made Dr. Jade's first book, the metabolic effect required reading. I had never heard of him before. i had never heard of this book before. I, I read the book and my entire life was changed. Everything that I thought I knew about fitness and nutrition was completely blown out of the water and I was so hungry to learn more. So again, still while I was working my corporate job, that then led me to go back to school to also become a holistic nutritionist, which turned into my online business, which then I ended up meeting Jade at an event. Then I brought him on for this episode 17 way back when on the podcast. And two full years later, I reached out to him again and I'm like, dude, You are still my most second downloaded episode and I just adore him as a friend anyway and, and I always am looking for a chance to get to have a chat with him, uh, catch up a little bit. So I said, why don't you come back on? We can talk about some different things because it, both of us have have evolved and grown wildly both personally and professionally since we last uh, recorded a podcast episode together. So he agreed to come on and we just had an absolute blast. Uh, we also recorded for longer than I typically would, it's a little bit over an hour Um, But it is worth every single second of listening. And we both agree that we could have continued to chat for hours. (laughs) So there is so much to this incredible conversation. Let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Jade first. So he is an integrative physician, author, and sought-after expert in the realm of metabolism and self-development. He spent the last 25 years immersed in the study of strength and conditioning, hormonal metabolism, and the psychology of change and success. He's also the founder and creator of the international health and fitness company, metabolic effect. He has authored several books and his newest company next level human combines his medical and fitness knowledge with his expertise in self-development and mindset change. Dr. Jade and I cover everything in this episode from uh, he gives us all kinds of insight into how he's managed to build up successful online businesses, multiple successful online businesses. And he's also giving some really tangible tools and strategies that you can use, whether you're just getting started or if you're trying to build upon what you've already created as well. Uh, we're getting into the distinct differences between passion, meaning, and purpose, using pain to fuel your growth, and using his framework around pain and purpose. Jade is known for his frameworks. (laughs) He comes up with the most brilliant frameworks that make what he teaches really easy to remember, which I, I think is a big key to his success as well. Um, we also get into when to share your very personal stories and some of the personal requirements that Jade has that need to be met before deciding to come forward with a personal experience as well. I even asked Jade what his biggest fear is and his answer is likely not one that you would expect, but I think that it's one that we can really all learn from. Jade is absolutely a teacher at heart and that truly just shines through in everything that he does. Uh, we just cover such a wide range on this episode and I was so excited to get to sit down and have this chat with him. So I hope that you enjoy it every bit as much as I did. I'm certain that you will. And because this is an extra long one, I don't want to hold things up any longer. So let's get started with Jade. All right. Welcome back to the room to grow podcast. And I have my friend Jade here today. Jade, I am so pumped to have you on for not even the first time, but the second time I am so honored. Thank you so much. <laughs>
1: I just love hanging with you Emily. It's good to see you. How are it's you? It's good to see you.
0: It's good to see you. I know we were kind of having discussion before we jumped on about how it's like crazy times in quarantine right now for some of us, but that that yeah. can also be a good problem to have and it's it's a season. So, we'll come out on the other side and maybe take a little bit of a break.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe it's going to end. You know, I didn't, I didn't tell you this, but it's funny. 2 days ago, it's been so quiet here in Santa Monica 2 days ago. I guess what the 7th, on the 5th, I woke up. I live I live Midtown Santa Monica in California and so it's usually very loud. It's it's kind of industrial where I live. And all of a sudden, it's loud as hell. And I was like, what is going on? Because I'm used to it being so quiet. It's almost like someone turned the lights back on. So I'm like, I'm wondering, like, things are getting started again. I didn't yeah. know if it's Cinco de Mayo. Everyone's like, you know, but uh, it was really weird. But then one of my friends said, yeah, they just started phase one of, you know, sort of turning the economy back on. But it was okay. like literally a night and day difference. <laughs> like I was getting used to just this quiet no one on the street and all of a sudden it's just like this loudness you know so yeah it's been an interesting time for sure
0: it's so bizarre how we get used to things so quickly i mean i've talked to a couple people about this too but how even just going for a walk we've gotten used to crossing to the other side of the road so that we don't come near people too it's very strange what we've adjusted to in such a short period of time and now when it starts to go back we're a little bit thrown off
1: (laughs) yeah it's funny i went walking yesterday and um someone i was just kind of distracted and. this person was like, give me a dirty look. And I guess because I was, I didn't, you know, I was just kind of walking like, and just like in my own head. And like, they were giving me a dirty look. I looked up and smiled at them and they were like scowling at me. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm too close to (laughs) them.
0: Like things that we're not used to. This is so bizarre still. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So tell us a little bit about you because you have a wide and varied background and I don't even know if we could fit into this podcast a number of things that you are, I consider to be an expert in. So tell us, tell us your version of this because I want people to get to know you a little bit
1: better. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting how we come to our areas of expertise, right? I mean, I would say I'm most known for metabolism and most specifically hormonal metabolism. But um, I personally feel like my greatest area of expertise, the thing I've been studying the longest is psychology and philosophy. And, um, and I'm also, you know, what, 25 years, uh, I trained personal training and have multiple certs and strength and conditioning. I have every health coach certification. I feel like on the planet from the years of like 1994 to 2004, which is a while ago. And then <laughs> a few scattered, you know, between, but I, I usually tell people, I say, you know, my areas of expertise are mindset, muscle, and metabolism. And, I kind of dabble in sort of all those areas. But if I had to say that the area that I feel like I'm most um, schooled in and, and most expert in, I would say self-development, but I'm not really known for that as much. Although that's changing because I have pivoted a little bit to and start including much more of my expertise in that area. But yeah, so I would just say, you know, you take a little bit of a metabolism sort of physician um, and mix them in a bowl with, you know, a philosophy psychology geek and then a personal trainer. And you have an idea of kind of uh, the the different things I touch on.
0: I love this so much. Well, and, and, and I guess the
1: final thing. Sorry to interrupt you. I, no, I forget please. About this. But the, <laughs> the final thing would be, and you and I just talked about this was um, the idea that uh, as we progress, one of the things that I did, and I know Emily did as well, for those of you listening, is you know kind of began to pivot into you know internet business and this whole idea of teaching people to do what I've been able to do, which is bring my expertise. Online and so that's oftentimes something like it's an afterthought. So you could tell it was kind of an afterthought. I was like, "Oh yeah, I do that," you know, too. It's like I do an awful lot of that. And actually, I have to say, if I get the thing I get asked most about now when I sit down with people who know my work and stuff is that, "How did you do what you what you did? How to how to publish a book? How to produce content? How to build an online business? You know, all that kind of stuff." So that's an interesting sort of piece that I don't really necessarily think I'm very good at but I have had success there and I teach a lot now in that.
0: Well, and I would certainly argue your point about not thinking that you're very good at it because <laughs> you to me are like a huge example of somebody who has taken various passions and turned them into a a series of different businesses that are all interconnected, they've all built upon each other and this is kind of I think what more people are moving towards is is being like really embracing their more multi-passionate nature. But when we're starting, we're always told like niche, like just pick one thing. But yeah. I think that that kind of plays into one of the many phrases that you're known for, which is the easy is earned and that you have to kind of build up to that in order to see success in the various different areas.
1: Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, I think for me, and I would be interested in how this has worked for you, but um, I always tell people, like, you know, when I first came out, I, I was somewhat strategic, I, I I mean, by accident in a sense, but I was like, Okay, everyone loves workouts. Um, I know that I have all these areas, but where can I make the most money and build the most sort of business quickly? And I was very much steeped in personal training at that time. So I started an outdoor boot camp. And then that, I built that up, used that money to pivot to online. And, and a lot of people don't know this story, and I hate that they don't. But my brother, I have a, my older brother, Keone. I have two older brothers, but one of them went to school with me. And I oftentimes say, if it weren't for him and I going into clinic together, and I don't know that I would have been able to do what I did as well, because he's one of these guys that's just an amazing human and always just, you know, uh, supporting me behind the scenes and built, helped me build those sort of businesses. And then, then we kind of split off. He's more clinician and I'm more teacher. So he took over that clinic, but we built that together. So for those of you who are, you know, sort of thinking about this, at least my path was build this boot camp build this clinic, use that money to build the online space. And then once that those were up, I kind of always sort of was in this gray zone, where it's like most of what I was doing when I first went online was fitness. And then I started pushing into nutrition and biochemistry and hormonal stuff. And then I started going into more of my functional medicine sort of training. And then finally, over the last two years, I finally got to the point where I was like, all right, I'm gonna launch my self-development stuff under the brand Next Level Human and was able to sell my metabolism stuff to uh, actually two of my best friends now over at another company. But I did sort of jump and I don't know. I mean, I think some people can come in uh, and I'd be interested to see what you think. I think some people can come in and go, all right, I'm gonna do all three of these things all at once. It certainly uh, didn't work for me. And even with my new sort of business, Next Level Human, which is really encompasses what I call the four jobs, which is you know, finance, health and fitness, personal relationships, and personal development, I still am kind of like, all right, I have to kind of start with one of those four things mainly because it just gets too sort of messy. But I'm interested in, in your thought and what your path has been there.
0: No, I, I agree with you. And it's so funny having you back on because uh, just so much has changed since we last did this. The first episode that we did together was two years ago. And we talked more about like metabolism and all that stuff. And since then, you've massively gone off into the personal development space as well. You've published multiple books (laughs) (laughs) and I, it's just been really cool to see how much you've grown and evolved. And I used to be more health coaching and now I switched into podcasting business coaching, but I find the same thing that people just get confused, especially when you're putting out a lot of content and you're a beautiful example of that. You're, you're putting out a ton of content on all kinds of different platforms all at the same time. It's, it's hard sometimes as as the one doing the content, when you want to talk about all of the things and you want people to know about all the things, but some people are coming to you for one particular aspect of what you do and they're not interested in the others. And then you've got somebody else who's coming to you for something different. And, and it's, it almost starts to feel like there's this pressure to serve all the people while still staying in alignment with what you love and what you enjoy doing best too. Yeah. So that's a little bit of a, a, a tricky dichotomy that can happen when, when we start to branch off and we're not super clear on, on our main sense of purpose, I think.
1: Yeah. And, and you know what? I think you're, what you're touching on there is really, really key for individuals is that um, if you're going to do it, then, which it is hard, as Emily's saying, but if you're going to do that, you better get very clear on um, getting very good at sort of um, coming up with hooks, and coming up with the right messaging and uh, also understanding stuff like for me, like I say, mind, muscle, metabolism, it rolls off the tongue now, but that took a while for me to kind of took a lot of knowledge to kind of be like, all right, I am all these things. People aren't going to think past three things. I need to have something that is rhyming and memorable. And, you know, so I spent a lot, I don't want to just be the, you know, mind, you know, body you know, sort of fitness thing that you've heard a million times. And so you have to sit down and be relatively um, strategic about this uh, stuff. And so, you know, like to me, and I'll go through this really quickly that's helpful for people. But to me, when you're, if you're going to do this, even if you're just going to niche down, you want to essentially, in my mind, do two things. One, you want to kind of be like, all right, let me define myself. And to me, I like to use the so- sort of Hollywood example of this where it's like, I am. The X of Y, and X is something that is new, and Y is something that is old, right? So, like, if you're, this would be like that whole pitch, like Alien is Jaws in space. So, X is something you know that's sort of new and different, and Y, you could do it either way, really. You could say, like, for example, uh, Metabolic Effect, my old company was, we are the Sherlock Holmes of the health and fitness industry, right? So, in a sense, the Sherlock Holmes that doesn't really go with health and fitness. But you know what that is. Most people know who Sherlock Holmes is. They know, oh, that's a detective. And so I don't have to go through this big, long spiel about, you know, we do, uh, you know, uh, we help you find what works for you because everyone has all these different diets. I just say, hey, we're the Sherlock Holmes of the fitness industry. And you immediately know what that is. And, And I think it's very clear that we need those things. And most people don't do those, which sets them back a little bit. So that's the first thing. It's sort of get this sort of um, Hollywood uh, pithy statement that everyone catches right away. And that takes some time. And then the next thing is to come up with a hook. And the hook is uh, very uh, simple. It goes like this, you think it's X, it's really Y. So you think it's calories, it's really hormones. You think it's hormones, it's really um, calories. Right. It's it's this thing. So whatever most people are thinking that might or may be true, you just add on your sort of piece uh, to this. Right. So um, examples of this. I do this pretty much every time I produce content example. Of this would be like you think intuitive uh, thinking is sort of um, magic. It's really uh, very specific and rational. Right. So people go, what do you mean? Those two things don't go together. Ra- reason, rational and intuitive. But. I call up this whole popularity of intuitive sort of eating, and I start talking about how the fact that, yeah, it's not really magic. Think about it this way. So those two things together in my mind, when you're thinking business, you have to go, one, uh, how do I describe what I am in a very simple way that everyone gets it in a sentence? Two, how do I get a very powerful hook, right? So I'll give you the hook of next level human, which isn't perfect, but essentially goes like this, essentially goes, as a human, you have a job to do. Right. So everyone goes, well, what's the job? And then I go, in fact, you have four jobs to do. And then the hook is this four part framework that everyone goes, oh, yeah, that's absolutely right. I do. Those are my four jobs. And it does something to our brains. Right. It's this neat little thing where we go, oh, wow, I all I have to do is these four things. That's absolutely right. There's sort of like a truth and sort of makes your brain sort of perk up. And so, from my perspective, when you're going into business, you want to be thinking about these things in the beginning because you're gonna you're gonna need to have this mind muscle metabolism on your thin. You're gonna have to have this. I, um, you know, and right now we're seeing it a lot where it's sort of like I help men who are blah 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 do blah blah blah. I mean, that's that's okay for me, but I, but for me even better would be like. I am the Sherlock Holmes of the health and fitness industry or something like that that makes people go, oh, I get it immediately. And that takes a long time to do. But I also think most people won't do that. So getting the hook and getting your sort of one sentence down as you launch into this is going to help you. And I do think you have to niche first. But whether you're niching or whether you're trying to do all of it at once, you need to have those things in place in my mind. And the final thing I'll say on that is in, and then I'll stop to see what you think is that once you have that, then to me, you have to build a framework around your offerings. You have to kind of say and and a framework is essentially before my framework is built into my hook with Next Level Human. But that framework is something that when when someone then goes, oh, that's interesting and they start looking a little bit further, what they really want, what will keep them around is to see something that makes very clear sense. Oh, there's a one, two, three of this business. And I oftentimes say, I'm looking for three to five things. Three to four is the sweet spot that I can be like, you know, here's the framework of the business. Here's how we do it. Because people not only wanna know what you do, they want to know how how what you do is different. And they want to sort of know that there's a path for them to travel. Right. So like if you're in metabolism, I have this whole idea of there's the four M's of metabolism. Right. There's mindset and mindfulness. There's movement. There's meals. There's metabolics. And when you come up with these kind of frameworks, all of a sudden people go, oh, I get it. I want to know more. I can see the path that I'm following. And it immediately sets you apart as a smarter business. Someone feels like, oh, there's a path for me to travel. I know where I'm going. And it seems more sophisticated. Than this person over in this direction. And I just think people don't do those things. So yeah, that's that's one sort of way that I would launch into this. And sorry for that big long diatribe. I hope that's helpful. But to me, that's sort of how I think about business now.
0: No, I think that's incredibly valuable, especially for anyone just starting out. But even like I'm several years in and I'm still really hammering down the power of these frameworks. And to me, you are like one of the masters of frameworks in general. Like you have a framework for everything and it's it really sticks in people's heads a lot we're going to get into a few of the ones that you have um in various areas today but i i think that it gives people a lot of clarity when they can not only as as the person you know your potential client or customer who is looking to absorb the content but as the person creating the content it's actually much easier to build things out when you have some sort of framework as well and you even talked about that in terms of publishing books too that you have frameworks that you use around publishing books so that it's not quite such a painful process and that you can do it in a much shorter time frame than most other people can do that as well. And I think that that's super powerful that you're able to, to do that and to teach that to other people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it, it's really, it's funny, right? Because think about this way for everyone listening, like there's, there's noise everywhere, right? So like if we, if we all go online, in a sense, I look at it like we're all saying the same thing. And so where I have sort of uh, begun to look is I I go, how can I package the information in a way that makes it easier for someone to absorb? Because I think what we do typically when we first come up, we kind of, first of all, when we first come up, we're talking to our peers and we want to appear smart and not dumb, which kind of holds us back a little bit because we start, you know, sort of uh, thinking too, too hard about it. Right. And we, we want to, go off in all these directions. I did this too, by the way, talking about, um, I'll, I'll give everyone an example of this. So when I first started doing this stuff, I would talk about all of the biochemistry and hormones and all the stuff, GLP and GIP and you know, P, you know, PYY and norpeptide Y and glucagon and all these things that a very small amount of people cared about uh, or could even understand. Finally, I was just like, you know what, what do all of these things, after answering a thousand questions about what what about this, what about that, what's this, what's that, I, it, I basically said, what do hormones essentially do? Well, they are directly or indirectly involved in things like hunger and energy and cravings and sleep and mood. So I come up with then a rhyme to say, say all right, well, let's come up with an acronym like Schmeck, funny little word. However, that was also sort of strategic in a way, because I know if I can say something like, all you have to know about metabolism is keep your schmeck in check, it's funny, it rhymes, uh, and, you know, people will, it'll stick in their head, especially if it makes good sense. You can't just, you know, sort of, it, it, it does take a lot of knowledge behind that to make it work, but that kind of thing sets you apart immediately. Um, from everyone else. Here's one challenge though, Emily, and this is one, one thing I'm noticing. Now, as people are learning this more and more, you're starting to see acronyms everywhere. Even in my, with myself, there's, there's almost too many. So, in a sense, then you have to go back and say, all right, I need to simplify this enough, but I can't just have acronyms everywhere. And so, ways to get around that is to add on to that acronyms, metaphors, analogies formulas right so this is the x-4 formula right not necessarily an acronym is slightly different or this is a metaphor for blah, blah blah but all of those things you do have to get sticky so i don't think it's uh always um always going to be useful if you're always like uh this is the four p's and this is the five p's and this is the ten p's like i've noticed in my work i've got a four uh, a four p model at metabolic living for metabolism i have a five p model at next level human for purpose and meaning right and so it can start to get confusing but i think as long as we sort of understand the reason we're doing that is to simplify information for people as soon as these acronyms and metaphors and analogies and formulas start to make it more complex for people you're missing the point so i just wanted to add that in because that's really what they're doing it's simplifying information one of the things that um I have realized, and this is just hilarious how this works, but it works really well. I have realized that if I can take um, a program, if I can build a program in business and I can simplify the information for people, right? Have it all in one place. I can actually take that program that people are paying for and actually take that exact content and stick it out into the internet for free. Because as a standalone, no, one, it doesn't, uh, no one's gonna get upset about that. What they're gonna pay for though, I could put the whole program, by the way, and I've done this, all in different pieces. It's all over the internet. So if someone wanted to go find all this stuff for free, they could, and I, by the way, don't mind if they did. But what I'm now seeing is valuable to these people is a place where it's all packaged in one place, a program where they can buy and have the information organized, and packaged and they can systematically learn it. And so this opens up a whole other thing for content creators, right? Because in a sense now, um, a lot of people know me, they're like, oh, it's interesting, you seem to release a lot of your stuff that you have paid, you know, people pay for, for free. And I'm like, actually, I release now most of my stuff that I built for free out to everyone. The difference though is, is that it's out there in a way where it's i don't release it in youtube in like here here's a series of you know education it's just more i release it as a standalone single video and what that tells us as business owners is that people pay for the packaging of this and the people who package the information better are going to be the ones who win i think in content creation and so i think it's best that if you're a content creator you start thinking about it that way it also opens up this whole thing for for all of us where we can essentially go, oh, I don't have to create uh, attraction content separately from program content. I can actually build my program and use that same content as my attraction content on social media um, and even my opt-in content, right? So here's how this would work. I build a program first, then I take parts of that program and make it a free mini course, same information and I take parts of that program and make it attraction content that leads into my free mini course. And then I take parts of that program and make it as part of the email sequence that sells the course. And so it used to be in the old days, we'd go let's build attraction content and opt-in content and email content and program content. Now what essentially I do is go, I'm gonna build this program and I'm gonna use that program for attraction content. And I'm gonna use some of that program content for opt-in content. And I'm gonna use some of that program for email content and even in the sales letter and all that kind of stuff. And guess what? Not only do people not seem to care, but it actually seems to work better in my experience than the old way and frees up a lot of my time.
0: Yeah, I think it's really powerful in that not enough people are repurposing content and that we fall into this trap of believing that we have to to recreate the wheel every single time we post something and then a lot of times people will just get discouraged and not post anything at all. They won't start the podcast. They won't post regularly on Instagram. They won't do any of those things or ever hop on live video because they're like, well, I have nothing new to talk about. Well, the problem is that people are coming to you for for usually like talking about niching, one particular thing at least in the beginning, and they want to learn that from you, but they also are getting to know you better when you're releasing the same style of content, but in different ways. So then who are they going to go to when they want to actually hit buy? They're going to go to you because yep. they know you by that point, they know your style, they know what you're about, and they want that beautifully packaged, you know, course or, or whatever, because it's coming from you. So they already trust you. They, that, that know like and trust factor is really key. And you've already established that with people because you have put out all of this incredible content that people are really enjoying.
1: Yeah, I love that thought, and I'll, I'll give uh, everyone listening some other sort of things here that have worked wonderfully for me. And I picked this up from I think it's uh, I want to say it's Derek Halpern that first introduced me to this con concept with blogs. And what he was saying is he essentially saying what most people do is they'll create a new blog and then they'll post that blog, then they create another blog, then they post that blog, then another blog, and they post that blog. He goes, really, what you want to be doing is you want to be essentially posting a blog, posting a blog, finding the ones that are very well trafficked and then repost that again and again and again. Um, So it's sort of like promoting content as well as creating content. And and so what I have started to do is exactly that. And here it's, this is actually really interesting because I don't know, maybe a few months ago I got um, a DM from someone that said, you know, I noticed that you are, you repurpose a lot of your content and you don't get a lot of follows uh, as many follows as you have followers, and this and that, and so I'll I'll share a couple things with you here with that. So I go um, first of all, I was like, oh well, that's interesting. I said, you know, I don't. I'm looking at shares and um, uh, shares and uh, saves and leads primarily for me as a business owner. I mean, I used to be, you know, sort of way more sort of egotistical in high school mentality of like, how many follow, how many followers do I have, and how many posts do I have, and all. now I just go how many leads am I getting um, off of social media? Because if I'm not getting leads, I don't care. I'm not the kind of person that needs to be on social media. I'm there because I know I get lots of leads um, off of that. And part of the way I get my leads, I get so many leads is I basically um, go in there and essentially say, what are the things that I have done that get the most traffic and the most saves and shares and leads? Let me repost that again and again. And so I sometimes will literally go, you know, some people go repost. Like you go over to Emily's stuff and go, oh, I'm going to repost that. I go and repost my own stuff again and again and again. And does it annoy some people? Sure, I'm sure it does. But for me, as a business person, I just know that gets leads. So I know I've gotten new followers and I want more leads. And so it really, I think, is sort of this thing where we have to go, why am I even here? I'm not on social media for... Um, you know, so I can look like I have lots of followers and, and get lots of likes. Now, if you have followers and likes, that usually does translate into leads for sure, but not always. And for me, I have uh, I, I'm experimenting all the time. My ex-wife, who's a really good friend of mine, and I always laugh at me because he goes, "You're reckless the way you are," <laughs> uh, because I'll go in and I'll buy fo- some followers and see what that does, and I'll post certain things and. I'm just experimenting a lot. She's like, you're going to get your account shut down. But, (laughs) and and maybe she's right. You know, maybe she's right. And to me, I don't know that that would be, I mean, it'd be kind of upsetting, but I don't think it would be too upsetting for me. I just get back on and sort of do my thing. But the point I think is, I'm not, and I'm not saying for people to be reckless, but I am saying that the reason I do all of that is because I have a very specific goal in mind and it is leads. I want good quality leads. And so once I get those uh, leads, and by the way, I'll show you how I do this. I built a lot of programs over the years. Most of those are old now. So a lot of them are now free content, what I would call opt in content. I do posts based off of that. Then I have links in my link tree or on my Facebook, and I can essentially push people to that. So if I do a post on menopause, for example, or I do a, purp- a post on purpose and meaning, I can say I've got a free sort of mini course on that. They then go to that. Then I can see based on these bit.ly's, these shortened links, and also my link tree, how many people, how effective that was, right? How many, I can go into my insights, and I'm always looking at my insights constantly being like, what's the flow? What is actually sort of working here? And if I see something that works, you're probably going to see that um, every month. I have this one, uh, for metabolism, I have this one post that I do that's, It it is by far the most popular post I've ever done. And I've been using this literally, this was in my first book back in 2010. And still it will show up almost every month. It's a picture of a chicken breast and a donut. And it says 300 calories and 300 calories. And I just know that that, and then there's a sort of description. I know that that is going to get passed around and get me leads. I know it well. (laughs) It does. Yeah. (laughs) You know that well, right. So you see it, it's it's all the time I'm putting that up. And I'm not so sure that, I mean, so I'm sure now some people are getting like, oh my God, I can't believe he posts this constantly. But to me, that's how I get leads versus the other way that I think a lot of people do where they're, they are, to your point, being like, what am I gonna post now? Like, you know, I, and to me, I'm like, I'll tell you what you post now. When in doubt, go back to your most popular posts and repost them. And and but But don't just be posting without leads. I mean, I know plenty of people, and I'm sure you do, that I have consulted with that they're like, can you help me? And I'm like, you have 100,000 plus followers on Instagram or you, know, you, have, you, know, you have way more interaction on Facebook than I do, yet they don't have the infrastructure in place to actually make money. Meanwhile, I know actually one of my, one of my uh, good friends and hopefully she won't mind me just using her name, but I have a friend, Nicole Spencer, someone you should check out because she teaches this stuff, who's barely online at all and has this stuff mastered through ads and funnels set up appropriately and if you went to her instagram you'd be like she doesn't have a following yet she is literally crushing it online monetarily and so it's just really interesting that a lot of people don't get this this isn't high, this isn't high school it's not a popularity contest it's business and business means uh, you don't you want to be very strategic you can make money with You know, um, seven thousand, you know, to ten thousand followers. If you're doing things the right way and using ads the right way and promoting your content the right way and have built out your funnels the right way, meanwhile, you may not be making money having hundreds of thousands of uh, followers if you're not doing that stuff. Then, then your only model is you know, hoping an advertiser says, "Hey, I want to you know, give you some money to do you know, a post." And some people are doing that, but I don't know about you, Emily. I wouldn't. I don't feel comfortable doing something like that because. I have an expertise, I make money with my brain and I don't wanna be reliant on other products to do that. To each their own. I think if you have a big phone, you could do both. But my model has always been making money off my brain. So I think um, that's kind of how I look at that. And I don't know if that's uh, sort of helpful for people or not, but to me, get strategic. To me, followers don't mean as nearly as much as leads and dollars. I wanna see my leads and my email list go up I want to make sure that email list is responsive and I want to see money in my bank account. Otherwise um, I wouldn't be on social media. I don't necessarily enjoy it to be honest with you, you know, to the degree that I would just be there for free. I know some people do, but not me.
0: Yeah, no. And I agree with everything you said, both in terms of, um, I have spoken out quite actively about not having any interest in sponsorships of any kind ads, anything, because I'm also always very worried about any, type of restriction of my freedom of speech either. Like if they, if they want me to like behave or talk about a certain thing, a certain way, and I'm not okay with that. I want to be able to speak freely. However, I feel in in my brain, it's, it's processing something. And I don't give a shit about follower numbers because it's, it, it, I think that too many people forget that if you are building an online business, that social media is a tool. It's not the popularity contest, like what you're talking about. And people get caught up in it. And it's very easy to do that where people will, you know, look at your account and they practically won't give you the time of day if you don't have X number of followers. But I just don't think that that's what matters. And people can have, you know, the hundred thousand followers and not be selling a thing. And that's also a trust issue in my mind. Like they don't have the trust with their people. They don't have the engagement. They don't have any of that. And that's why they're having such a hard time actually making money off their business. That's one of the biggest problems there.
1: Yeah, and, I, and, I, and I'll, I'll share something else that I've seen and it'll be interesting to what you think about this too. One of the things that I've noticed with those kind of accounts and for anyone trying to do internet business, the way I see it, right, is we, we go, why do we go online in the first place? This is the kind of stuff we go on to entertain ourselves and we go on to educate ourselves mainly. What I've noticed is that entertainers, if that's your business and you're an entertainer. Now, what happens is, yeah, if you're in the 1% and you're like a Dave Chappelle or something like that, you will be you know mega wealthy and mega popular and you could just write your ticket but that is a tiny tiny minority of people if you're just sort of trying to make it and you're trying to do it all through entertainment what i think happens is entertainment value what are you then selling right if you're an entertainer and you're always posting memes and you're always like it's all just about laughs and getting attention that way it is much harder i think now i could be wrong about this right so just You listening, just think about, do I agree with Jade or not? You might not. But from my perspective, I just go, I don't see how you're going to make that leap into selling educational products when you're primarily an entertainer. Now, of course, I think if I was more of an entertainer, I would probably have an easier time because I'm like 90% educator. I'm like 95% educator, 5% entertainer. It'd probably be better if I was 70, 30, enough entertainment. And I've actually played with this where I do just entertainment type stuff every every once in a while, just to see how it lands. I can't sustain it though, because it's not the way my brain works, right? I'm always trying to sort of educate. So I think when you're thinking about content, I do think you want to go, okay, I want some entertainment quality, sure, because that does, you know, laughs and smiles and this idea of, you know, no liking and trusting Jade. But the trust factor, which to me is the big thing, comes more from education, solid, good quality, education, consistently done, over long periods of time. So I'm always breaking it down into entertainment education, entertainment education. And I've noticed that people who just go the entertainment route, like I have a a few friends that, you know, I feel like they have big followings and they built them. They can build up followings fast because of their entertainment, sort of a culture level uh, insights that they can tap into. Um, They don't tend to make money, uh, as much money online. I could be wrong about that, but I think the educators who do it consistently over time um, are the ones who are sort of making uh, the most money. But I do think it's, you have to have a sort of both, right? And uh, in, in that whole realm, it's sort of like the, the, I don't know how many people who are listening understand the whole charisma science, but there's a book called The Charisma Myth. It really goes into this. So it's the, the, the sort of science behind it says its presence, its power, and its warmth. And people who have those presence power and warmth are going to be well liked well trafficked well followed and if you are all warmth, right, which I would say is mostly entertainment and but you have no presence and power, then yes, you're going to be liked, and you're going to be sort of followed, but you're not going to be trusted as an educator. people are going to buy elsewhere. so you can look at it as two ways: you could be like, how much am I entertaining versus educating?" and you also could look at it through the charisma lens of okay, presence power and warmth and by the way if you are an educator there are some ways to get warmth other than laughs and that is to say you know things like and you'll see this in sales letters when you see sales you ever notice how every sales letter says hey it's not your fault um or it tries to get some bad guy that we're all against you know i you know they're not on your side this and that that's that's a marketing strategy of warmth it's kind of like hey i'm in it with you hey i get it so If you can show empathy and compassion there is uh you know some warmth factor there so i think when you're kind of thinking if i'm missing the boat in terms of uh my ability to get attraction on content i would look at those and for me my big one is warmth i always go all right um i'm not my face isn't seen enough right i'm not out enough on lives i'm not you know, and then part of you has to go, well, do I want to actually do that? So then there's this thing where it's like, I don't want to pretend. I don't really like doing that stuff, but I do know that that stuff is, is warmth. But here's the other part of this. And I guess I'll ask this to you. I've been having this conversation with a, several of my friends in internet business. And I'm like, how much access is too much access? Like if you're always uh, on lives and you're always there and your face is always showing versus the, a little bit of the, the sort of like this is a post or a feed or a video where I'm not necessarily on there live and I'm not going to answer all your questions. I wonder uh, about that. And I don't know the answer to that yet, but I wonder, Emily, if you have any take on that, because to me, I'm, I almost feel like there is a Goldilocks zone. You don't want to be answering questions all of the time and give people too much access because it does take away some of the power sort of principle from you. So, like, oh, they're always available versus like, you know, I don't know, some of my favorite people are like Sam Harris and people like that. I can't just get Sam Harris to answer my questions for me. I got to go buy his book. Now, part of it's because Sam Harris has a huge sort of following, but I can't, I can't get, like he, there's some access issues there that I can't just get Sam Harris. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but.
0: That's actually a really interesting question because when the pandemic started, I started going uh, live every single morning and I said I would do it until, this pandemic situation is done, which is looking increasingly farther and farther
1: away. I know you're like, okay, now I'm doing live every day for two years.
0: (laughs) But I definitely, I did end up moving it down to to weekdays only because I also didn't want to burn myself out. But I've kind of had the same question a little bit. And it's interesting that that you're bringing that up because I've kind of wondered about, you know, how much access access is too much. And then it's also a boundaries issue. And I mean, this, this could segue into a number of different things because I wanted to talk to you about when you brought up warmth, I wanted to talk to you about if you think that you can teach warmth, if you can teach people how to be genuine. Um, And then that also kind of leads into another conversation around share versus overshare because this is one of like my favorite topics, especially when it comes to sharing very personal stories, which you have shared extremely personal stories. I have shared very personal stories. There are people out there who would look at both of us talking about infidelity and like all kinds of like personal experiences where they're like, why don't you keep that shit behind closed doors? Like, why are you talking about this openly? And yeah, I would love your thoughts on, on any and all that, because I, I think that um, you're someone that, that really comes to mind to me when it comes to those types of questions around what do we share? What do we keep to ourselves and where's the line?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I'll, I, I love I, I love this, by the way. This is like, I just love talking <laughs> about this stuff. I do think I have some interesting things to talk about on warmth. I, I always laugh because I say I have, so we've all heard the whole idea of resting bitch face. I have resting dick face. <laughs> That's the guy equivalent to the girl resting bitch face. It's like, if I don't smile, I look like the meanest dude on the planet. You know what I mean? But and it's so funny because
0: I, I think of you as so warm that like, even if you're not smiling, <laughs> like I never think that about you at all. So- <laughs>
1: that's so sweet and, you know I just I had a friend just tell me oh my god what are you talking about you're like a teddy bear so maybe I have a you are you myself. just like
0: radiate teddy bear vibes like <laughs> <laughs> even if you're
1: not smiling that's what she that's what she was saying and I was like really but I do think you can teach warmth because I remember in high school um I got this thing over and over again where people are like you're arrogant he's so arrogant he's so arrogant and I was just like you know what, I know I'm confident, and I know that arrogance can be, and I probably, I was a little bit arrogant, but not as much as I beat myself up about, but I just started realizing that it's really about the fact that um, smiling and taking interest, and so how do you do this online? I'm still figuring it out, but I think it really is about, like, just listening to people's struggles, and then speaking to those struggles in a way that you can authentically do. Like, sometimes you can't, but sometimes you can look, I can relate. I'm an Italian who loves wine and tiramisu and pastas. And like, I, I just, I'm a big eater. I have thyroid issues. I, sometimes I feel lucky for this stuff because it does allow me to say, hey, here's my story. And so one of the best ways to express warmth is to share your story in a way that says, I'm human just like you. I think what a lot of times people do is they preach. and And the difference between Preaching, and sort of, uh, preaching is sort of like all power, no warmth. And preaching basically goes, you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do this and you need to do that. If you don't do that, you don't know what you're doing. And, and you're up I on can the pedestal. Yep, up on a pedestal. Warmth goes more like this. It's just like, it goes, you know what? I struggle with this as well. And one of the things I've done to help that maybe you, you could try on and maybe that could work for you is X, Y, and Z. And so even sometimes, as long as you do that just a little bit, just a smidgen, you you basically give yourself a little bit of, you know, um, sprinkle of, you know, cinnamon sugar on your message. Now, I show up very much like, um, you know, talking about my expertise, and I'm confident about that at times. But I also try to sprinkle in personal stories that are relevant to the individual and relevant to what I am actually teaching, which then brings me to some of the stuff around um, some of the stories that I've shared and other people shared. Like to me, if you are just like sharing constantly about stuff that you're not actually teaching about, then this smacks of just attention seeking and shock value stuff. However, if your business, which next level human to me is about personal development and evolution as a human, then to me, I use, I'm using a saying called, and it's not mine, it's sort of just a take on an old, old, old sort of thing of like pain is the path to purpose. And so for me, purpose is very, very interesting because purpose speaks to this. Your purpose means you take your pain and your struggles and you turn them into lessons. And it's not purpose until you freely give those lessons to someone else. And so when you're speaking about and sharing stories from that point of view, it becomes a different thing, because now it's not just about infidelity for shock value and entertainment value. It goes back to entertainment and education. If I share about my experience of uh, infidelity, on my end, by the way, me cheating and me sort of being that particular person, and I just share it and there's no sort of solution to it, at the end of that, then that's shock value entertainment. It's nothing but a soap opera. If I come online and I'm just, I'm crying, and you're seeing me crying, and you've seen 100 other people with posts that are, have them crying, you, know, you, it kinda, you just go, okay, another one of these, this is just a me too type of person, right? And so this is what we tend to do instead of just being very uh, sort of honest and authentic about it. And so to me, uh, they both go into the same sort of thing. Warmth is, warmth comes from deep pains that make you go, I don't want other people to struggle with this same thing. It was, it sucked for me. I wouldn't wor- wish it on my worst enemy. I've learned some deep lessons about this that may just may, if I share them, help others. And then especially if you have an expertise like you and I do, where it's basically like, not only did I had all the information, I've been doing personal development stuff for a very long time. I studied psychology, all this kind of stuff. I still um, failed and it was an embarrassment to myself and you know, sort of showed up as a coward and did all these things. So to me, it's a very uh, a deep sort of lesson that I'm like, okay, now I can see some of the ways. By the way, I'm still blind to some of the aspects of my dysfunction as a human, because we all have it. See, that actually, what I just said right there is is, a, is warmth. If I say, I got dysfunction, we all have it. You go, you know what, I kind of like Jade. I, I, we do all have it, right? Versus if I'm like, you're dysfunctional, you do this. That's not warmth. Right. But if I say I'm dysfunctional and I share that and I also go, but I figured some things out and science can guide us in certain ways as well. That becomes a useful share between, you know, sort of warmth and personal story that actually is being expressed for a reason versus just give me some attention or I'm just trying to stir up sort of shock value. So I would ask ourselves always, am I sharing this from a place of. I'm just wanting to, you know, post something and then look and see how many people are reacting to it, or am I sharing it because that's all about you then? That's a very narcissistic sort of way of approaching it. And by the way, again, we're all narcissists. I'm a narcissist too. We all have some of this in us. But if we're doing just that, we're tapping into our narcissistic tendencies. However, if we do it the other way and we share these deep stories and have a useful anecdote on the back end of it, um, to help people and, and one or two people uh, benefit from this, then it's not. It's not shock value, it's not entertainment, it becomes warmth, it becomes meaningful, it becomes something that um, will make a difference. And I think, uh, and this is something that I don't know, uh, I, I wanna see what you think about it, because it is kind of, um, it's a little bit woo woo what I'm gonna say here, but I, I I believe this and it may just be you know my own woo woo kind of thinking, You know, so that we'll, we all have magical thinking, I do too, but part of me goes, um, as i got more in alignment with the things that I've done in my life and the experiences that I've had, good and bad, and the big mistakes I've made and the deep wounds that I have sustained and perpetrated on other people, Um, as I get more in touch with that and integrate that more into my business, I just feel like good, I I feel more fulfilled because I feel like not only have I grown, but I am helping other people to uh, sort of, grow in that particular way as well. And it feels, um, it just feels good. It almost feels like the woo-woo part of that. It almost feels like um, when I'm doing that, just life is giving me good vibes back. When I'm not doing that, when I'm seeking attention, right, which I do at times, like, you know, I want, I, I want you to say I'm a teddy bear and I want you to think nice things about me. And I want you to, I want you to like me because I'm human when I'm, but when I'm solely focused on that, if, if my whole job is to make Emily like me, right, <laughs> then I'm not doing, then I'm going to eventually uh, hate myself and, you know, have, uh, you know, a, a difficult time in my business. Uh, however, if I'm like, you know what, I, I really want to give back. Uh, and that's part of what I'm doing. Not the whole thing, by the way, because I'm like, I'm all about money. You know, I definitely am, am a money guy. I'm like, I want to live a good life. And I feel like uh, that's tied to my purpose. If I make good money, I can help more people. But the more I get in alignment with my purpose, the more the the gods of, you know, the universe are seem to be smiling upon me. And more importantly, I wake up and feel like, yeah, I want to get on. I want to get on the call with Emily. I want to share this stuff. It it matters. And I know, I, I suspect from watching you do your work, you're the same way.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting that it that was sort of um a huge catalyst not only for me personally but in my professional life that when I came out with that story, I have just continued to build upon that and use that to fuel a, a larger sense of purpose within me that has made me feel more in alignment in everything that I do. And it seems to have drawn in all of the right people. Like I keep having like the right people fall into my path and it's it's as though they're just appearing out of magic. But <laughs> I think that it's because you attract what you put out. And okay. the more you are feeling that you're more in, in your purpose and in alignment with yourself, that that is going to come into your life a little bit more. And that is woo, but I do definitely subscribe to that in theory a, a huge amount. And this kind of ties in with Kind of like a bigger conversation around like meaning, passion, and purpose because you came out with a podcast episode, uh, a couple podcast episodes about this recently, and and I've heard you kind of talk about this before, and, and in your, uh, your book, Next Level Tribe, I would love to kind of hear your theory on the kind of the differences between the three of them. And and what made me think of this as well was that um, there's the five stages of grief, and recently David David Kessler, I believe, came out with a book about the sixth stage of grief, which is meaning and finding meaning and that it's not like this, everything happens for a reason, but that we have to, we create our own sense of meaning from difficult stories, even like, you know, the, the, the infidelity that both of us have experienced on different ends of the spectrum and all of that, we create our own meaning within that. It's not, it's not something that's handed to us. We're able to get through it because we come up with this sense of meaning. And that gives us like that, that lifeline to hold on to, to get to the other side of it, and then to potentially teach it in our cases. So I, what are kind of your, your thoughts around that and sort of the differences between them and how you have sort of found meaning in certain ways and how you, you teach people to find meaning within their own situations?
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, I don't know. Uh, Man's Search for Meaning um, was a book. I don't know how many people have Incredible. read that book. It's a classic. Yeah. Um, but that particular book I read probably back when I was 19, 20 years old. And it didn't really do much for me at the time. I read it again, uh, you know, basically in medical school. It didn't really do much for me at the time. Then I went through my situation. um, where I had an affair and, you know, sort of blew up, you know, sort of my marriage and all this kind of stuff. And I read it again. And at that point, it was deeply powerful for me because I could see it, you know, sort of um, at the time. However, since then, um, and this is what's really interesting to me, like to to kind of go sort of against it since then, and you'll actually see, and, and this is really interesting because as I read my, I wrote a book, Human 365, which basically was in the works two years ago and it came out last year. I'm talking about meaning as, as, as if it's synonymous with purpose. However, since that, so in the last two years, as I've been deeply into this work, I've started to go, you know what? No, it's not actually the same in my mind. And so to me, here's, here's the difference. Passions, we talk about passion, meaning, and purpose as synonymous, chase your passions, People go, oh, that's the same as purpose. I don't think it is. We talk about meaning as it's the same as purpose. I was doing that just last year in my book. But to me, here's the distinction that I have begun to make. And actually, as we talk about internet business, again, distinctions are powerful things because a distinction, a powerful distinction is almost like the evolution of an idea. It's not your original idea, but it takes the idea a little bit further. I don't know if that's the case with this, but perhaps And when someone gets that, hears that distinction, it's almost like a little dopamine cookie goes off in their brain where they go, oh my gosh, that's so cool. And they then take that idea and expand on it themselves, but then they want to go back to you for more dopamine cookies. So distinctions are another way to do this. So this distinction in my mind, and it's not a distinction, you don't just make up distinctions and look for them. You do them through deep sort of thinking and reading and suffering and wisdom. Passions to me are these things that come and go. Like, for example, I, I, was, I was so passionate about football. I loved the New York Jets. I loved the NFL. Do you know it's been five years since I've even paid attention to the NFL? Um, passions change. They go up and down. One minute you're into travel, and the next minute you're really not. And one minute you picked up cooking, and the next minute you're not. But certain passions will stay around. So, for example, football – is a passion that left me. However, the passion of uh, fitness and health is a thread that is threaded through my life, but it's still just a passion. It's something I love. And by the way, it's borrowed in a sense because I have to go somewhere really to experience this. I could lose it. I could be put into, you know, I could get an accident and become a quadriplegic and fitness is now going to be gone for me. So in a sense, this passion is a thread that kind of threads through my life. But most passions, we know people like this, have a different passion. The next minute they have a different passion the next minute and their lives aren't very fulfilling because they're always just jumping from passion to passion. However, passions are important because they can, if you follow them, they can be a path to purpose. So I see it as stage one of finding um, sort of your meaning and creating your purpose. And I use finding and creating very, uh uh for a particular reason that I'll explain. So once your passion gets deeper, once health and fitness becomes sort of this thread that you go or Emily goes, I'm going to really immerse myself into this passion. It's gonna be a part of my life now. That becomes meaning in my mind. Meaning is something that uh, you look out there into the world and you can essentially go, this fills me up with deep joy. A meaning, meaning definitely can come from your lover, Um, We all know, like, we know that very deeply, that your lover can be a deep source of meaning. Your kids can be a deep source of meaning. Uh, Experiences out in nature, experiences in general can be a deep source of meaning. Cooking, um, playing an instrument, uh, going, you know, for, you know, a hike, a sunset. All of these things can be uh, very meaningful. And um, Viktor Frankl in the book, Man's Search for Meaning talks about these things. He talks about the idea that people can be meaning, your work can be meaning, experiences can bring meaning. He then talks about this idea of suffering as being a source of meaning. And I kind of now look at suffering as being a higher level of meaning. I think it's the go-between between meaning and purpose. But here's why meaning isn't purpose because meaning can be lost. The kids graduate. The lover can leave, the lover can die. The sunset sets. Um, You may lose your ability to, uh, like you may be Beethoven and lose your ability to hear music. You may have Alzheimer's and lose your ability to even think about music. So meaningful things can go away. They're borrowed in a sense. However, your purpose, you know you're doing purpose now when You take these sort of things that are uniquely yours, your spiritual fingerprint, so to speak, which is made up of all the people you've been exposed to, good and bad, and and made up of your passions. They're in there, yes. And made up of your superpowers and your talents and made up with your unique perspectives on the world. And then made up of your pain. Here's what's the difference. Meaning and passion flow from the outside into you, right? So there's sort of energetic buffers they're wonderful by the way right we couldn't we wouldn't want to live life without passion and meaning the difference is that purpose is something that actually flows from you to the outside world it's the, it fills you up from the inside it's something that you offer to the outside world it's when you become meaningful to someone else that's when you're actually when you're making a difference for the world that's purpose meaning is a little bit uh, more selfish passion is a little bit more selfish purpose is selfless and when you are tapped into your purpose it is where you develop what i think is the um the best emotional state that we humans can possibly have and that's the the emotional state of fulfillment and joy the difference between fulfillment and contentment and joy and happiness is that fulfillment and joy can stay with you even in the saddest of times if you lose someone to death someone dies one of your loved one dies you can't be happy or content in that moment. However, you can still be fulfilled and enjoyed. And, and in terms of your internal state, you can still kind of be like, I feel like I've made a difference. I feel like I can tap into the fact that I have gratitude for what I've been able to give to other people in this world. And that's what purpose you know, sort of brings. And I think we have a pandemic of purpose. Cause I don't think, I, I think part of the reason I, I even came up with this distinction is just looking and going, why is it that so many people that we all have meaning? We can attach meaning to many, many different things, but we're not, most people aren't feeling fulfilled. And meaning does bring happiness, and happiness is important. The problem is, as soon as meaning goes away, your happiness goes away. So, my whole thing was like, how do we, these people that you see going through the roughest things in life, who can feel sad, but at the same time, feel, you know, you kind of feel a sense of like they feel fulfilled. They, 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 uh, they, you know, they they really sort of get it. And actually it came to me, I don't know if you know there's this guy, Vito Pilecki, who was a a um I I read all this, you know, sort of philosophy and stuff, but he was a Polish freedom fighter and he fought against the Nazis. He actually volunteered for Auschwitz, which is kind of crazy. He actually snuck his way, got himself captured, went into Auschwitz, was giving all this sort of information to the Americans, and then had then escaped, and then he was fighting against the you know the Russians uh uh when they were in Poland. And he had to thing when they, they basically had his trial and then they shot him. And this is sort of documented. The, the last thing he said before he died is he said, I've been living my life in such a way that on this day, I can meet death with joy instead of fear. And it gives me goosebumps when I think about that, because that's a guy in purpose. That's a dude who's like, I lived my life in a way so that I have zero regrets and nothing but love for where I am. And, and this is ultimately Uh, given that I was so immersed in my purpose and doing what I'm doing, of course, I was going to end up right here and it's okay. And that to me is the difference. And so that's the distinction. And I think that's ultimately what all of us need to sort of push for. So how do I wrap up this whole thing? Again, it goes back to if you're teaching and you're sharing, right? you're, You're wanting to do sort of what Emily and I do. It's essentially deciding I am going to, uh, create this as my purpose. I'm going to choose purpose, right? I'm going to create this thing. I had the option to be healer or teacher. I chose teacher, which is why I'm I'm talking with Emily right now. And most people go, well, you can find passions and you can, you can, you know, sort of borrow meaning. You have to create and choose purpose. And once you understand that, there's no longer, you know, you have to go, okay, what will I do then from this point? And it doesn't have to be some grandiose thing, by the way. It could just literally be, you and the way you interact with the person in line at the coffee shop and just deciding that that that's how that's what my purpose will be my uh, father's purpose and this will sort of drive this home so people can understand my father's purpose was father now this at first this to me illustrates this distinction now if if he's just a father to me as his child that's meaning that's not purpose the reason he his purpose became father is because he decided to be father for my cousins and for uh, uh he became a coach and a volunteer, he even uh, when back in two thousand and seven, I believe one of my friends, who's like this blue collar dude in North Carolina who lost everything because his mom basically stole his money and he was on the street. My dad took him in, basically helped him learn to write a check and get back on his feet. and He lived with my dad for two years. This is an adult by the way. My dad acted as father to him. My father has people come to him all the time and say, Mr. Tita, you know, you, know, you were my, and they even use the terminology. My dad didn't even know it. But they even say, you know, this is my adopted father. This is my other father. And so that's the difference. He decided to be father, not just to me, that's meaning, but to everybody, that's the difference.
0: That was a really, really beautiful distinction. And I, I always love how you always give examples. That's how i know that you are fulfilling your purpose as a teacher because you always have these really fantastic no, examples to illustrate it with um there are so many rabbit holes that i could go down there with you one thing I, I want to ask you what's your biggest fear because you you've spoken openly about the fact that death is not one of them which typically as as humans often is that's usually the thing that we fear most and through your various uh, um like philosophical Learnings and all of that, you have come to a slightly different conclusion. So I would love to know what your biggest fear is.
1: Yeah, this the answer to this immediately comes to mind, and it's being a coward. You know, it's it's, and I have been that. And and basically, here's what I mean: it's being it's not showing up because I know as humans, right? Like I have this game that I play with myself that I'm sitting in a coffee shop and someone comes in with a gun and starts shooting. I know this is very morbid. My brain is weird this way. And someone comes in, you know. And I have the ability to escape, maybe, um, but or maybe not, but I always go, "How am I going to show up?" Now, this is something that none of us know. We don't know how we're possibly going to show up. I could literally fall to the ground, cower and cry and climb behind a desk and just hope you know and just play dead, or you know whatever I'm going to do. I could fight, I could try to save someone and shield someone. I want to show up as the person who takes the bullet for other people, right? I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do that though, but that's my fear. My fear is showing up as a coward. My fear is, um, I had this uh, image of a friend of mine. He wasn't really a a close friend, but a friend of mine who was dying of liver cancer. And I went to visit him at the hospital. And I remember him crying and it was a cry of, and it's the first time I've ever seen this. It was was like a cry I've never heard before. It sticks in my brain. It was anguish. It was being terrified. It was regret and you could hear it, uh, you know, you basically hear it sort of uh, as I, as I sort of left the room and it started up again and it sent shivers down my spine. And I remember I'm like, dude, don't ever die like that. I mean, I think everyone who was in that room was terrified to die. So one of my biggest fears actually is showing up that way and, you know, uh, rather than showing up in a way that is courageous and, and helping people, they go away and go, you know what? Watching Jade die. Or watching the way he did, you know, his thing makes me more prepared to die. It's so morbid, but like I've, i you know, to me, this is what it is. Showing up as a coward is the the big thing. And by the way, in a sense, we humans we're all cowards in a sense, right? Like it's just who. It's like no no one is. Uh, we're all terrified, you know. And so uh, that's that's my whole thing. And so I play these games about you know, okay, I need to put myself in uh, challenging positions and uh you know try to you know expose myself to fear like have this whole thing where it's not rise to the occasion, it's create the occasion. And right now, even as I say that, I'm like, Jade, when's the last time you really did that? Like, you know, obviously 2020 has been like we're all sitting at home. But <laughs> we're all um, facing
0: fears right now that we didn't even know yeah, we
1: had. <laughs> in a sense, yeah, in a sense, uh, we are. <laughs> and you know I guess we I guess in a sense, like I don't know if you've had this Emily, but I, everyone I know and I've had it and probably the listeners had it too. I'm starting to get like sniffles and everything I'm like freaking out right get it's like hypochondriac I I got this coronavirus (laughs) I hope I'm gonna be okay and then I'm scared to death of my family members and as it's gone on I sort of go dude what is wrong with you like like you're you're gonna be you're gonna you are gonna to be just fine with this and so um it it has kind of I guess then when you look at it from that perspective exposed me to this and helped me work Sort of on my mindset, but isn't it funny that we're all like that? Even all of us who are healthy, something like this, we get a little bit of sniffles, and for a minute we go into this place where, like, oh my gosh! And to me, it's like exposing yourself to that, going into it. What I did when I when I had that is I go into it and go, how do I want to show up? And I'm like, you want to show up like this, dude. Like, so show up that way. And that that's my biggest fear. So maybe I don't know. I guess uh, maybe I'll be able to show up, or or maybe I won't. But I, I think about that a lot.
0: I think that's really powerful and that, that all of us could benefit from thinking about that more, I think. Yeah. Um, Jade, what is something that you wish that people would ask you more?
1: Uh, you know, it's, that's a really good question. I guess, you know, it, it, this stuff that you, you know, to me, I, I wish that, um, you know, people asked me a little bit more about, uh, you know, sort of philosophy and, and that kind of stuff. And honestly, this is going to be sort of weird, but I also, you know, I find myself teaching a lot and I find my, like, I tend, you see how I am. Like I sometimes I could just talk, talk, talk. And it's kind of embarrassing for me that I I sort of talk so much. And one of the things that I think is, um, I think what happens is for for people go, oh, well, Jade knows a lot, or he's thought a lot about this stuff. So they don't share as much with me. And so part of what I'm like, maybe I don't allow them to share because I'm talking so much, right? So I guess the the thing for me is not so much what I wish I'd be asked, but more that I wish uh, people would be like, oh, you know, that's really interesting. I see it this way, but sometimes I feel like uh, they don't necessarily want to share their sort of lessons with me because maybe they see me as like, um, that I've thought about it before or whatever, but I love that the most, right? Because then um, I can go, oh, that's so interesting, Emily's sort of take on that. And then it helps me um, refine sort of my my take on things. So I, I think I just, um, I am a student first. So, but to answer your question specifically, this kind of stuff we talked about, like to me, I want, um, I don't get asked a lot about, you know, my greatest fears and, you know, death and those kinds of things. But I think, I actually think those things are important. I'll tell you one thing that I wish we all talked more about and everyone's going to hate my guts right now. (laughs) But I wish, I wish we all talked a little bit more about um, politics and our values and everyone does not want to talk about that. And I'm just like, what is this to me? I want to know. Like, I want to know. Like, if I sat down, we sat down without everyone listening, Emily, I would want, I would first thing I'd ask is, like, tell me about your politics. I'm curious, right? Because to me, that is the deep value based seed stories from the time you were a little girl sort of coming percolating up. And I want to understand that stuff. I want to understand sort of your values. And so, I, I want to be asked, of, I want to talk about politics more, because I'm not, we're not going to get into an argument about it. I just want to sort of know your take on it. And no one must talk about that stuff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Especially right now, everything is so divided right now, yep. um, and has been for the last few years. And I don't see any signs of it improving anytime soon. But no, I agree. And I love talking about that stuff too, because I think it's really fascinating to also hear people's reasoning. But I've I've heard. Uh, a friend of mine has a, a her her mom happens to be a us senator and even though they both like she and her mom are both on the more liberal side she said that she actually has trouble having a, a normal conversation with her mom anymore because her mom has swung so far to one side compared to what she used to be because of this severe division that has happened politically that she said, I feel like I can't even have a rational back and forth conversation with her anymore about hot topics because it's just everything is black and white. And I'm very much of the belief that nothing is black and white uh, for, for the most part, like with very, very few exceptions. There's sort of a gray area to just about everything. And there's reasons why people do the way. things we do. Yeah, yeah. I don't really believe in the black and white. And when people think in very black and white terms, I have difficulty even relating because I always think in the gray. So then I'll try to explain the gray or play the devil's advocate. And even if I don't necessarily agree with that point of view and yeah, I think it's really fascinating.
1: People don't like to be, people don't really like to be challenged in that way. And you know, one of the things I've done, cause I'm, I definitely am, um, I, am opinionated, you know, um, uh, but it, what's, what I find is when I get in these type of discussions, it helps me be more open-minded. It helps me pick up things I wouldn't have known before. And one of the things that I've done, it, I also lean, more to the progressive liberal side i in the united states like democrat republican i don't like either side of the aisle but if you were going to pin me down and say what are you jade like i'm i'm more liberal progressive but if you look at my facebook feed i follow all right wing conservative types and the reason i do that is that i i don't want to be in an echo chamber Mm -hmm. and it's one of the best things i have ever done because you know, like I, I follow Prager U and I follow um, uh, Ben Shapiro. And I felt fo- like some of these people that I, I am getting exposed to ideas and things that um, and, and finding out some of these people aren't nearly as bad as what other people say. It's really weird to hear some of my progressive liberal friends, you know, talk about someone like a Jordan Peterson or a, a Ben Shapiro as if they're the worst humans on the planet. And I'm just like, you know, I know. I follow these people. I don't agree with a lot of what they say. But I mean, the idea that you think they're horrible, disgusting humans, is just weird to me, you know, because I'm I'm, I'm watching these people talk all the time, you know, so it's just this weird thing. And like you, I have, that's when I start having a hard time. I don't have a hard time with people's political stance. I have more of a hard time with people's bias and dogma and inability to sort of hear uh, the other side.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the confirmation bias that just happens when that, when that goes down. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay. You've been so generous with your time. So we're going to wrap this up. (laughs) So let people know where, where everybody can find you. Obviously everything will be linked up, but we didn't even get into metabolic living, which you are running right now, which is very current to our situation that we're in right now. And tell us what's next for you as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, everyone um, who wants to get more of me, I think um, right now we're all on Instagram. I think we'll probably be there for a little bit. So I spent a lot of my time there at Jade Tita um, on all the social medias. I'm at Jade Tita and then jadetita.com is my website. I have a podcast, the next level human podcast, uh, which, so I spent most of my content is coming out there now. And um, my other company, which I'm a minority owner in, I merged my old metabolism company with is called metabolic living. So they're at Metabolic Living and MetabolicLiving.com. So if you're interested in more than metabolism work, you can go there. And you're just the best. I love this. So don't feel bad about the time. It's just always wonderful hanging with you.
0: Oh, you're a sweetheart. And I just, for anyone who wants to reach out to to Jade, Jade, you're always so accessible. And I know that you and I kind of have like a previous like relationship, friendship wise, but um, you were just very accessible to anyone who wants to to reach out to you and I always really appreciate that about you so yeah I love that
1: yeah I'm tr- you know it's funny I'm trying I know for you you probably get a lot of dms too it's like I'm I'm literally it's like I got like 60 some dms that I'm like J- my assistant Jody I'm like we got to get plowed <laughs> through to <these> you <'cause laughs> just I do I you know it's one of these things I feel bad right because we you know we, we are, we're hungry for that knowledge especially people who are in the internet business like wanting the information that you and I have it's I remember being in that position and I remember some of the some of the people who were just so amazing um, at that time uh, that I am still grateful for. So I try to remember that, you know, and and try to show up for people. So yeah, definitely DM me, just give me, you know, right now it's probably gonna be about a month before I get back to you, but I try to be (laughs) as successful as I can.
0: (laughs) And one super quick last question I just always wrap up with. If you could give people one piece of advice above and beyond everything that you have uh, talked about today into growing into the best possible version of themselves, what would it be?
1: it's it's literally what we talked about, like, sit down and choose what you are going to show up in the world as, you know, choose your purpose. Now, let it evolve, sure. But just say, here's how I'm going to show up and not don't make the mistake that it has to be your work. Just the way you're going to show up at the grocery store, at the Starbucks, right now, we're all at home, the way you're going to show up for friends with texts and calls. And to me, this is, this is what life is about and you get to choose that it won't fall on you so it's that whole thing right everything happens for a reason i think it's more things happen and you choose you create you make the reason and so that's uh how i would come at it
0: jade thank you so much i appreciate you so much and thank you for your time and your generosity and everything that you put out into the world i think that you're just helping far more people than you even realize so thank you so much thank
1: you so much (laughs) i love you my friend
0: i love you too Be sure to tag me on Instagram over at Emily Coach so that I can thank you in real time for listening and connect with you. We're back every Tuesday and Thursday with brand new episodes and I'm looking forward to growing with you.